Welcome, everybody, to the Night Watch Games podcast. This is season three, and we are exploring where does happiness come from? How do we pursue it? What is chasing the dream? And how does that tie into the gamer lifestyle? Uh, I have with me, of course, Brenda. Howdy. And then we have our esteemed guest from the band Corpse Hole, Aaron Copeland. Welcome. Who is... uh, Sitting across from me with spikes and mohawk, and no, he, he's not. <laughs> Very normal looking guy, actually. Uh, so welcome, Aaron. Hello. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. The idea of today's talk is really to see where it is that you get your inspiration from in pursuing heavy metal. Is, is your band your main job? No. Okay. I wish it was my main job. What I found in my later days of life that music makes a great hobby it is a poor occupation this is a a very active hobby um, where we record and we play locally and we want to do some national shows some fests and stuff that's kind of our objective Aaron with music where did that start honestly it starts back in uh, in high school my love for metal specifically comes from uh, a buddy of mine gave me a copy of a of a Slayer, South of Heaven. And at the same time, my Aunt Ruth, she sent me a tape of uh, The Cult, Love. She's yeah, still she's Sanctuary. A, no, yeah, that's a yeah. great song, great yeah. song. That album's great. I listened to those song, those those two cassettes, you know, this was dating me, uh, like in 1989, over and over again, as I, as I painted miniatures. Because at the time, I was really into, just getting into, like, like the the first run of Warhammer Fantasy and D and D miniatures, the the old bad ones, you know, the yeah, ones. the lead um, ones. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just listen to those on repeat. And we started a, ba- a band in high school called Fatal Thrust. D and D, a lot of hours of playing D and D with these buddies in the basement back in the day, and uh, we came up with this band Fatal Thrust. We played for a couple years. Strangely enough, thirty years later. One of those friends who was in that band with me, a guy who's named uh, Damian Sitsoris, he lives in Miami. We continued to go see metal shows, music together, and continued to share our love of, you know, science fiction, comics, and fantasy, and just all that. So we stayed friends all these years. On our 40th birthday, we decided to go on a cruise. Um, it's called 70,000 Tons of Metal. And it's this cruise that goes out of Fort Lauderdale that is all extreme metal bands. And we went on the first one and we remembered, harkened back to our days in, in Fatal Thrust and said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we just like recorded some stuff? And he's like, yeah, you know, and Damien's a very talented musical guy. He played violin as a kid and bass guitar in the original band. And then he's like, you know, I want to learn how to play guitar. So he started taking guitar lessons. About six months later, after going on that cruise, he called me up and said, hey, you want to write some lyrics? to this stuff I wrote, you know, I programmed some drums, I played the bass guitar on this, I just kind of recorded it because it's so easy now with, with the technology that's available. I said, yeah, send it to me, we'll see what it is. And right away, boom, it was just, the the, the, the old flame came back, especially with this specific friend who was a big part of like, you know, the fun teenage band years. And uh, that's where that first, our first EP came from, Devoured Remains is the name of it. And all four of those songs we wrote over about a year and then, Flew back and forth a couple times to record them in his closet. Like, that's where we recorded them. And then had them mastered by a guy he knew in Washington, D.C. Subterranean Watchtower is the name of his production place. And he, he produced it for us and put it all together. And it's pretty solid for, for a couple guys fooling around. And then we built a band locally here in San Antonio 
this is pretty good. And we kind of like these songs. Like, they're they're fun. And this was fun. And uh, so then I put together a band here in San Antonio, called a couple friends, a guy I used to work with who I knew was a, a punk rock guy. And now we're playing live, you know, uh, regularly, not about every other month or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, this manifestation, the Corpse Hole, the, the current band, we just got... Uh, Damien and I, you know, longtime friends, had worked together before, stayed in touch over those years. That was a long, long-term relationship. These new relationship with AJ, the, the guy who plays bass now, um, was was somebody that I'd worked with who we used to joke about. He would listen to punk rock and some metal, and I listened to some punk and lots of metal. So we would always joke about the band we were going to have, but we never had, right? Like we just joked about it That was in that interim time. And so then when it when it came up that I was actually trying to put a band together, I was like, I'm gonna call AJ, right? And and he was game. We actually put the band together about three months before the pandemic. But then we stayed virtually, and then we were able to record stuff because of the uh, technology available now through the pandemic, and then come out of it and, and still be able to play and actually have a live show that's yeah. somewhat polished. Yeah. Right. So we were very lucky that everybody was in a place with these these particular people to do this and we had stuff. Um, and so, no, I don't, I don't think it's easy. It's, it's like put, you know, I, I, I hearken it to having a D and D group or a gaming group, any game group. Sometimes you're lucky and you just sit down with a couple people, like four or five people and you just play that game and it just feels right. It's super fun. And you keep coming back and keep coming back. Sometimes you sit down with people that you thought, you know, and you, and it's awful and it just doesn't work. We happen to get that easy group. Keeping us together and keeping us interested, it takes a little bit of work. But again, we've got good people, and 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 one of our members lives like currently lives in Miami. Because of his life, he can come out here regularly enough that we keep it together. So I think we're just fortunate. I'm getting a, a kick out of the idea that fatal thrust results in a corpse hole. There's some imagery there. Speaking of imagery, uh, Aaron was kind enough to bring us some swag. So I want to talk about that for just a second. Uh, we got two T-shirts. One with the iconic Albert that is on your cover. Yeah, on the first first uh, EP. Yeah. Which is Devoured Remains. That's right. And then the second, tell us a little bit about this one. First song on our split EP that came out with a band called uh, Fetid Zombie. They put two songs on it, we put two songs on it, and it's our first song on that, on that EP uh, called Predator Priest. And it's uh, kind of on the nose. It's about the predator priests that were found in the, gosh, in that investigation that they did a couple years back, every band's got to have a, a a protest or a cause song. That yeah. that one's ours. They're like yeah. calling them out for the for the evil evil rot. Absolutely, yeah. and of yeah. course it depicts this evil cleric kind of in the middle here, zombie children surrounding him. It's yeah, it's awesome. We refer to the to the priests who did this as a, a pack of jackals in the song, and so we have a jackal head sewn onto a. <laughs> to yeah. a cleric's body, so it's a little, it's a little edgy, but uh, you know, it's heavy. It's metal, death right? metal, right? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think uh, the most surprising thing that he brought us, however, it was an actual cassette tape. So I did not know that you could even still make these. They're very cult these days. Uh, like uh, the the metal Listen. scene and the punk scene. Yeah, the metal scene and the punk scene uh, have brought them back. The cassettes have have kind of become like a collectible. There is something valuable about having that cassette that has art to it, that has a physicality to it. That, um, and of course, vinyl is also on the Vinyl's uprising. Huge yeah. right now, and yeah. vinyl. You were saying about art. 
a lot of a lot of bands like the vinyl because you get that full sized art with it. It's not yeah. just about the record. And and I mean, there's a lot of people who are audiophiles who will say, well, that vinyl has that very rich organic sound to it, and th- those cracks, those especially certain kinds of music you get into stoner or doom and stuff yeah. like that. You want that real organic sound to it. But it's also that you get the pullouts. I've seen stuff, you know, tying this back into the gaming stuff. There was a band. It's called Bong Wizard. Had a playable campaign, like oh, a, wow. a little encounter. You pulled it out, and like it pulled it out. It was a map, and it was like the encounter, like lineup. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, Corpse Hole needs to do that. But uh, like we haven't we haven't crossed the Rubicon into into vinyl. Again, I'm making this analogy between a gaming group and a, and a concert or a show. When you're having a moment in a game, and the DM's really got everybody, and telling that story, and and you're making decisions that feel really important, you know, and or having an an, an action sequence that is really engrossing. I mean, the hair stand up on the back of your neck, you know, and you're really into it, and it, it, there's an energy there, right? Sharing that energy is super important to make that game even better. Music's the same way. A lot of during the pandemic, there's a lot of virtual concerts because a lot of bands who do it as a profession, needed to continue to make revenue. So they sold tickets to virtual events. Some of them are extremely well done. High production. A behemoth had one that they did at this castle in Poland. And it was this, this massive event with like huge effects and robes. And the, the corpse paint, is, it, it's just very religious in its nature. Dark, evil religion. And, but it's, it just didn't have the same feeling as even going down to, you know, Faust down on St. Mary's and <clears throat> throwing around in the place. It's about as big as this room that we're in. It's just more real doing that. So as much as you can put tons of time and money into this virtual experience, I think as long as we remain organic creatures, being around people has an effect. Actually enhances it for, for a lot of the people. A lot of people. Gaming shows relationships, everything benefit from proximity connections and stuff yeah half of our business is open tables that's right we realize that game stores that's just a retail space it doesn't tie on to that connections and and the physicality of of interacting with people and playing with people and talking the same nerdy language and being legitimized is the thing that i'm really onto right now is how Certain hobbies, and I'm sure music does the same thing, it legitimizes the audience or the customer base in their interests. And they say, you are a valid person with valid interest. As nerdy as it seems from the outside, we're here to validate that interest. And we're just like you. And we're we're cool, right? We got EPs and we got albums and we got concerts and we got shirt and swag. And we're here looking down at the audience saying, you guys are all validated. That's right. Good venues for whatever the thing that you need a venue for can really take it up a notch. Yeah. You can play in a garage and you can still make that work as a band. But if you go to an excellent venue, we got the opportunity to play uh, up in Austin with a band called Obscura. We got to play it. Come and take it live. Come and take it live is on the south side of Austin. It's a legit venue. It is a, a bigger venue. And I'll tell you something. As much I love Faust, I love Bonds, places down here. High Tones is nice too. Playing at a legit venue, like come and take it, where international acts come through and and big names, it is nice, right? It's also nice to watch a show there, comfortable and whatever. Same thing with playing games, you know, or, or sharing time with your friends. Having a good venue, sure, you can make do without it, and it can still be fun. 
but you can take it up a notch by having a, a great place to do it. Like doing this in this room. This room is outstanding. It makes it, it just makes it cool. I was just going to say, uh, I think Aaron could appreciate the story of the violinist. I think it was an experiment where they had a classical violinist, very skilled. Uh, he pulled out his violin in a New York subway. And people would walk by him, not give him much notice. A couple of people dropped some dollars and clapped, but they didn't appreciate what he was doing. That same night, he's got a concert hall. And he's now on stage, and he's got thousands of people that have paid Rack tickets. Yeah. yeah, for hundreds of dollars of a ticket. And here he is, the sole performer and standing ovation kind of stuff. And he's just getting showered in it. But he played the exact same music. And so the theory of the experiment is it's not necessarily the talent that gets you to a place of success. It's the placement in which that talent is being showcased. If you're playing in the garage and you're jamming out and you're making all the music that you want, yeah. it's not going to sink into the right channels to sort of lift off to stage two or three. And while you're pursuing happiness in the garage and that's cool, if you're looking for that kind of official release, you got to get out of the garage. The idea is that there's probably a differentiator between successful artists and those people that are struggling to pursue that. Uh, it's sometimes about location, the cliche of location, location, location. Well, yeah. No, if you're out of a small town, you know, it, it's hard. Like, we're fortunate here in San Antonio to have lots of music venues and also lots of, of lots of places that you can go and play games if you can't do it in your house, right? But if you're out in Nowheresville and there's, you know, and there's nobody around you, it's hard to find a game, a place to go and play games that you want to do or play music that you want. There's no music venue. There's no, you know, maybe no bar or no any place. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're right. If you have if you have a good place, man, take advantage of it. You know, yeah. whether that's a music venue, whether it's a gaming store, whether that's a, a place to go play basketball, whatever it is you like doing. How big is the pursuit of Corpse Hole? How, how big do you want to go? Free and easy wandering was a concept that is into this is some Chinese philosophy stuff. We aren't pursuing getting signed by a label or anything like that. There's lots of labels and whatnot now. But because you can do a lot of this stuff yourself now, we're happy to be self, you know, self-produced, self-published. If we get an opportunity to play like at a festival or uh, something affiliated with like that cruise that we go on, we're definitely going to take it. Um, <laughs> glory can mean different things to different people. And for us, our glory is just like getting to play regularly in, in front of people who appreciate what we're, we're doing. And then maybe doing a little bit of travel, maybe, you know, some local tours or again, some nowadays there's these festivals that, that happen across the country. And the nice thing about them is you don't have to go on tour across the country for, you know, six months in order to get to get heard by people from all over. Because the people, come, the people to the, come to you, come to the fest. You get one spot on the fest, and in and in one show, you could reach the same breadth of of a crowd that you would have otherwise had to drive across the country in a stinky van yeah. with your friends yeah. uh, for for three months to do. Play locally until we really feel like okay, we we really nailed this, and then and then maybe look for some some regional festivals. And again, they they happen all the time. It's just a matter of finding them. So that's, I think that's what we're trying to do and and just keep putting stuff out. You know, we're not putting out 12 album songs. We're putting out, you know, EPs here and there. That's kind of become the new thing is smaller, more frequent releases as opposed to that 
album every four years that we used to see back. The pursuit of happiness is a misnomer in that the happiness isn't something out there. It's something that is sort of happening around us. We just have to sort of focus on it mm-hmm. and, and open ourselves up. I think it's an ability to adjust that knob. Sometimes you do have to say, guys, we got to record something. Yeah. We have to get this. We've been messing around with this song for a month now. Let's let's get it down. Let's stop experimenting. Let's write it. Produce it. Let's put it out. We, deadlines help sometimes. But then you got to turn that dial back a little bit and go, okay, our set's ready. Let's see what comes in. And then you that that it's not one or the it's not binary, right? It's it's a adjusting the frequency to pick up what you need at that time. To me, that's the pursuit of happiness because it's again, it's always around you. But sometimes you need to tune in to it rather than trying to force, like trying to control it. Part appreciation, part active pursuit. There is times for pursuit. You do have to take action. work, You yeah. can't just... Well, the inspiration comes from the exposure to those outside things. Right. So if you don't ever let yourself expose or be exposed to, you just got your head down, working, working, working. Happiness is not a thing that you do by yourself. But what we do see is that people are happy, and it's usually in relationships of other people that are also happy, and they're just fueling each other in this this state of yeah. achieving the dream. And uh, we're pack we're pack animals, you know, or, or herd yeah. animals, I guess, not pack animals. No, we're we're <laughs> we're herd animals, right? We we feed off of each other. Yeah. And again, with that with that you know group analogy or that concert analogy. A show is reciprocal. If the crowd's into it, the band's into it. If the band's into it, the crowd's into it. Yeah. The DM's into it, the group's into it. If the group's into it, the DM's, you know, and, and anybody's gone to a concert, you know the good ones from the bad ones. If the band's feeling it, you're like, wow, I connected there somehow, right? It's the same thing with like these gaming endeavors, you know, whether that's tabletop gaming, whether that's pen and paper or, or whatever. And I think that's what, again, that digital factor can cut that off sometimes. When we built Nightwatch Games, we realized that it's a institution that is built upon some values. Mm-hmm. The values that Brendan and I hold dear as individuals are projected through the company. And the interesting discovery is that our customer base, the ones that feel comfortable within Nightwatch Games, tend to have very similar values. And then there are some customers that come in and they feel uncomfortable at Nightwatch games. And they can't really articulate why it is that they feel uncomfortable, but I think it's because they have a different set of values. And so this isn't the home for them, right? There's probably other game stores out there that they feel more comfortable in. Do you find that same kind of process with bands? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like that. There's a, there's, it's unspoken, but there's just some things that you're looking for in your music. Maybe it's a message. Maybe there's there's bands out there who who build themselves on a on a on a on a message. Um, there's a band called Cattle Decapitation, which is a very very big uh, in the extreme metal community right now, death metal. And their whole their whole all their albums is, are about animal rights mm-hmm. and about veganism and about like and they and they they put that message in the in the form of death metal by describing all the horrible things that humans do to animals in a human context, right? Well, what if we did this to people, right? It's brutal. And the vocals are extremely raw, extremely visceral, and the stuff's very heavy, but that's their thing. The people who who want that cause-based music are going to go see them, are going to go see that there's another band called Gojira, which is out of France, 
And they're they're very like all their music. It's heavy metal, death metal. It's all about environmentalism, the destruction of the planet by man, and all this other stuff. So some people will look for that, right? And that's that's all they want. They want cause music, right? A lot of punk rock bands are like that too. They get into causes. Yeah, Rage um, Against the Machine. Yeah, of course. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, about social pushback against social injustice and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So if you're looking for that, like our band isn't really going to be for you. Although we again, I was joking. We have a cause song. We honestly, the way we write stuff is just. The, Partially, we, we pick fantasy items that we like to, to write about, but then we also take things that happen in society. For instance, you know, Predator Priest. We're mm-hmm. writing, a, we read the read what happened there and then wrote a song about it, you know, cursing those people. We have another song called uh, Lesions Inside, which is about uh, brain trauma mm-hmm. and, and what happens to that. that. That's kind of a cause song too, but it's read an article about micro lesions that happen in people's brains after they've had brain injury. And how, what that causes, depression and anger and rage and all this terrible stuff, it's perfect stuff to write a song about. And it kind of becomes a cause song, sort of. If you didn't know that, you'd just be like, oh, that's just a brutal song about somebody going crazy, you know? We all kind of have some of that stuff, but some people just really make their mark with that. And whenever anybody orders anything, so this is a little pitch. Anybody orders anything from me gets a hastily written death metal-oriented poem, written, handwritten, on a piece of... Uh, on a piece of crumpled up paper that I make that I make look like an old map. A little craftiness, right? Like that, and that comes from my gaming experience too. But they they get a little thank you note written on this thing with a little poem that I write for them, just about worms and bodies and stuff. Like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the end of that, I always sign off with a little thing that says like the corpse cult grows. The That's our little cult. tagline. Like so, we ton of fans, you know, but. Uh, we definitely try to try to give some community idea to the group of people who, you know, they ask, yeah. we call them the corpse cult. I think giving people something to identify with is just as important, as important as the product. But the culture you give along with that and that sense of belonging, like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, I, I wear the T-shirt. That means I'm part of the, that, that crew. That, that resonates with people. My theory that I'm working off of is that the institution or band is, is based on a value system that maybe is articulated or not. And the customer base identifies with that value system. And so they, they latch onto it and they become part of yeah. the cult, right? Sure. The, the team or the customer base. And that, as you're pointing out, can be insular in that we have the us and we have the them. We have right. the, the people that uh, identify with the value systems and this branding and the identity. And then there's everybody else. And it's easy to draw a line in the sand and say, well, we don't want to interact with the others. That's where it goes back. Elitism yeah. comes naturally to both right. of us. So absolutely. No, absolutely. we struggle with that. Yeah. Absolutely. We do struggle with that. Well, no. And, 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 and it's funny in the metal community, it's super common and they call it, you know, gatekeeping or whatever. It's like, Oh, you don't listen to, you know, you don't listen to X band, whatever. I was going to say some terrible, weird band. Uh, you don't listen to them. Oh, you, you don't know. You, you're not a metalhead. No, it's not like that. Who who gets to say who is or who isn't? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you don't. Oh, you don't play uh, 40k. Yeah, you're not a tabletop gamer. That's ridiculous. But it's common, and it happens everywhere. You know, like that's kind of the the downside of that. But that's why I think it's important. You know, to emphasize. Well, it's it's part. You know, it's pieces. Like, that's how you make your person. It's not one or the other. You don't have to be all in to enjoy. While we definitely are trying to grow that community base that identifies with Nightwatch games and the brand and the values and all that kind of stuff, is that we're not going to get everybody. Some people are going to be on the outside. And so, in a weird kind of realization, 
is we want to support all the other game stores that are different from us because we want a home for all the people that don't fit here. When a Taylor Swift fan shows up at your concert and says, this is not my thing. Uh, I think a Taylor Swift fan would find something to like at a Corpse Hole show. I don't know what. Do you serve uh, snacks? I know you do choreographed dance moves on stage. <laughs> no, violent undulation. Fatal thrust. It is truly an inspiration to see, again, somebody that's transcending the nine to five lifestyle. And they're pursuing a vision that they have and they're actualizing the happiness that is sort of percolating around them. Is when Aaron I, happy? When I do, well, wow, that's such a big question. Yeah. So when I get to talk about this, when I get to do this, when I get to practice with the band, when I get to, when I get to play live, absolutely 100%, Sometimes the anticipation of a show is kind of nerve wracking. Sometimes the ins and outs of like trying to, yeah, hey guys, we got to do practice this week. Let's do practice. You know, that mundane aspect of it is a little bit like, gosh, okay, so-and-so is going to see a movie this week and can't do the practice. That gets annoying. So it's not like this like enlightened state where I just walk around and, you know, like death metal fire talking about it is great. Yeah, absolutely. Very engaging, very fun. Um, just like other, you know, there are other parts of my life that make me that happy too. You know, like my family and and you know, doing family stuff and birthday stuff with my kids and and having a great game of Dungeons and Dragons with my buddies or getting done with a miniature after having worked on it and put it off and on and on for a long time and then looking at it like, oh, that's really cool and putting it in its little case or whatever. Yeah, but death, the, the the music aspect, absolutely. And it is a the band is fortunate enough to have each other and and you know, be able to play together and do that regularly. It is a consistent place to tap for that sort of satisfaction. I didn't think I'd be doing this at 47 years old. You Isn't know? that like the when case? I was, yeah. When I was 18 doing this, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty wondrous time to pursue happiness or to go yep. look for happiness and let it happen to you or, or tune yourself into happiness, whatever metaphor we want to use for it. Because there's a lot there's a lot of opportunities for happiness, right? You do that yourself or whether you go look to become a part of, of a night watch or a band or whatever, you can go identify with and, and tap off of. I think there's a lot of opportunities. For you. You, you have to look. You, you have, have to look. open yourself. That's right. And right. you're doing that and we're doing that. Yeah. And Dan Norris does that. Yeah. And Joe Fling is doing that. And that's what this is all about. Right. And I think... You know, I know Pork pretty well. And when he starts saying, hey, you want to do the next season of the podcast? I know it's because he's looking for inspiration. He's looking to orchestrate his own happiness. And so, you know, I'm always like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even this endeavor that we're doing right now, this whole the whole podcast thing, it is another way that we you know, we can easily share thoughts with a with a group of people. And then that triggers one or two, you know, only a thousand people listen to this. Well, five people actually get something from it. Like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to go start. I'm going to go pick up the guitar again. That's I'm exactly go play right. Some stuff. Or, yeah. you know what, man? I haven't played D&D since I was, you know, 14. That's, it proliferates, right? This endeavor in itself is, is valuable for goodness in the world, right? It might just trigger something in somebody's mind. Yeah. Somebody who's been down and out. Oh, everything sucks and, you know, something bad in their life or something like that change that tuning and open themselves up to something that maybe they forgot or they didn't know that they liked. There's a lot of opportunities for it. Your current state of what you're pursuing, of your passions, mm -hmm. is not something that you predicted 20 years ago. No. It's, this is probably as surprising to you as 
uh, to your your parents, right? Your wife. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't right. expect little Joe to be a death metal singer, but here he is on the stage doing his thing. Uh, my parents wouldn't have predicted that I would own a game store. Right. I wouldn't predict that I own a game store. This is as surprising to me as anybody. You were doing army intel, not, yeah, not ten years ago. Yeah, right? and that was surprising. I never thought I'd be in the army. Low crawling with the rest no of them. Shit. Yeah, no shit. There it was. We have to be open to the paths that are before us, and they're they're infinite paths before us. There's not one. Why is not everybody doing this? Why is not everybody living the dream? And of course, I know the practicalities of you have to earn some money to pay the bills to get through life in a practical way. But doggone it, why isn't everybody doing the thing that would make them feel happier today than they were yesterday? Because they have TVs. <laughs> Black. There's a there's a song by a band called Wolf Fat. They're out of Texas. Texas. They're a uh, stoner blues like doom band. Really good. They have a song called Black Lotus. And Black Lotus is about the the black screen of your phone. And it's a blues, like blues, like stoner doom thing. It's really good. Check that song out, everybody, if you're listening to it. There's a little known fact that I was in a band as well. Awesome. What was um, it called? It was called Of the Mortal. Of the Mortal. Like of it. the Mortal. No. no was of that? Of the Mortal. Of the Mortal. Yeah, we thought that we if we used a prepositional phrase, it was going to be a little more cool than uh, the... The article of the and then a noun, mm-hmm. the cure, right. uh, the Smiths, the whatevers. Uh, so we thought we'd break the mold and use a prepositional phrase of of the, of the mortal, morose, depressive, uh, woe is me kind of Did it mood. I get extreme joy from creating, right. whether it was music, lots of artistic stuff that I've done. Photoshop is a big thing for me now. Yes, the answer was yes. We had a great time. So even though you were reading, writing emo- and performing emotional and depressive or sad content, it still brought you up. It was, and it was also, the again, the, the linking with an audience. If, if I can make a connection with all these other people that are feeling similar things and Enough expressing... Enough to at least come and see you and listen to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we never, we never got to perform. Oh, no. We, we never really got to the stage where we were on a, a stage and we were hitting the keyboards or, uh, you know, strumming the, the strings or whatever. We did a lot of recording. Again, it was like old school cassette recording where you had to hit the what record button. Yeah. Old school. <laughs> yeah, it's back. It's back. Yeah. You had to hit the record button and the play button at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It was really old times. It was still fun. To play it was a great bars. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. And yeah, there's there's Kevin McGuire. He's now over in Georgia doing uh, engineering. And uh, there was a guy named Damon Telepak, and he was our bassist. And uh, there was me who was the lead singer because I couldn't play anything. And I figured we just stick enough distortion pedals right. in line. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever I say sounds yeah. all right. Yeah. I was on a podcast uh, a couple of months ago, and they focus on rap. Freestyle. Freestyle, that's right. They're, they're freestyle rapists. And so I wanted to participate with them, and they, they said, well, go ahead and write some, some rap lines, and we'll sort of segue you into this story. And I spent about two days of writing this rap about Nightwatch games, and uh, I have to admit, I had a good time. Yeah going through that and rehearsing it and trying to get the cadence, the cadence down. The, and, the, the lyrics were really good. The delivery, not yeah. so much. It's, that's, that's the trick. That's yeah. not, that's well, not so, my no, forte. Songwriting is a big thing. Maybe just, you know, you, you load, the, you provide the ammunition for the, the rap, the rap gun. <clears throat> but, I'll be your lead singer. 
Where do we see you next? Next, uh, we are working on getting a show at, I mentioned the place before, Faust. It's on St. Mary's. Little place. We're looking to, to set up a show at Faust, I think, June 16th. We're on Facebook, Corpse Hole. We put, we put all our events on there. So June is probably our next one. We're also looking to do one in May, but we got a booker talking to us, getting the details. Okay. So we do about one a month. If we want to hear you today, if we want to look you up on the internet, uh-huh. what's the best way to hear your music, the easiest uh, way? You can go, you, so you can go on YouTube. You can just listen to it there. Put in Corpse Hole and all our all of our stuff is on there. The full, like the whole thing is, the first EP is downloaded on there. Fetid Zombie Split is on there. That split's called From the Tomb. But we also have a Bandcamp site. So uh, corpsehole.bandcamp.com. Great. Say thanks for listening. And this is Brenda instilling terror in her foes. We have a painting by Brenda for sale, by the way. <laughs> Bidding starts at 15 cents. All right. So, yeah, this is Pork and Brenda from Nightwatch Games. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Aaron, for being with us. Thank you so much.